0: Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing? Good. A couple announcements to share with you guys today before we dive in uh, to our new series. One, I wanted to remind you guys, as you came in today, you probably noticed um, some totes filled with candy. I had several kids come up to me this morning asking if they could have some of that candy. (laughs) And and I let them know October 28th, yes, they could have some of that candy, but we are collecting candy right now for our uh, Trunk or Treat event at the community center just a block down the road, um, and we definitely could use more. Um, we're, we're hoping to be able to have at least eight cars um, over in that parking lot. I think right now we have about four people signed up, so you can help us in two different ways. One, if you're willing, to be there on Saturday for a couple hours and um, decorate your car. We can even help you decorate your car if you need help with that. And just uh, connect with people in the community and give out some candy. Um, We would love for you to do that. So you can sign up in the sign-up sheet out there and be a part of that team. Uh, We would love to have representation from different areas of ministry, life essentials, the daycare, children's ministry, student ministry, the church in general. Um, Last year, there were maybe like 20 cars out there, and we had like four from our church out there. We would love it if half the cars out there at that Truck or Treat, we're from here um, to really connect with the community and let them know um, we're here and we care and we're present. The other big way that you can help us is by candy donations, because literally for every car that we have there, we're going to need about a thousand pieces of candy. We had over 500 kids uh, come through the Truck or Treat last year, and so if you can bring candy donations, we would really appreciate it. I think we're probably about a halfway To what we need for candy Um, so if you can do that again throughout the week you can come and drop off bags of candy that would be awesome you guys think you can help with that awesome thank you so much appreciate you guys being willing to do that the other announcement i want to share with you um, because of covid we haven't done a lot of like potlucks or things like that over the last couple years we're going to try to get back into some of that uh, normalcy now um, that that kind of community and try to um, get back into a little bit of that and so, one of the things we're gonna do is we're gonna reinstitute something we did um, three years ago, and that was uh, a Thanksgiving kind of potluck that the teens used to host, and um, it's also a little bit of a cook-off competition. And so if you mark on your calendar Sunday, November 12th, we would love it if you guys consider staying after church. We're going to meet in the gym, and we're going to have a Thanksgiving meal together on Sunday, November 12th. And you can bring your grandma's secret recipe dish or whatever it might be, and you can even enter into a contest for best meat, best side dish, best potato, best pie, best dessert. There's a sign-up sheet in the back. You can also talk to Millie Axelson, who's going to be heading that up. Uh, for more information on that. But we would love for you to come, bring a dish, participate, and have some fellowship on Sunday, November 12th. So those are my announcements for this morning. Um, I also ask that you um, bear with me this morning because your pastor is not 100% this morning. I actually came down with a sinus infection that progressed into an ear infection. Um, Yesterday, I was completely laid out. I was in so much pain. Um, So I am heavily medicated this morning, so this will be a fun service for some of you. If it's your first time here, you're going to have fun with this. So here we go um, in our service today. Welcome to First Light South Portland Church. If you have your Bibles with you, open them up to the book of Acts in the New Testament. Acts chapter 3 is where we're going today. And um, again, you picked a great day to join us because today we're starting a brand new series that's going to carry us actually into the first Sunday of November, and this series is called Relational Vampires. Now, you might be wondering this morning, who are these relational vampires, Pastor? I know Halloween is almost here, and maybe you're trying to think of something funny for Halloween, but we know that, pa- that vampires are not real, okay? Okay. But I'm here to tell you today, they are real. They are real. And they might not look like Count Dracula or, you know, the characters from the Twilight series trying to drink your blood. But there are people in this world who, if we allow them to, they can suck the life right out of us. And guess what? We work with them. We go to school with them. We talk on the phone with them. We correspond with them on Facebook and social media. Some of us will be eating Thanksgiving dinner with them in a few weeks. Relational vampires are real and we all know them. Now today we're gonna talk specifically about overly needy people. These are the people in our lives who are chronically and consistently in need. Next week, we're going to talk about manipulative people, people who try to control you. And then in week three of this series, we're going to look at hypocritical people. How do you love and minister to those people who say one thing and then they do something else? And then on the first Sunday in November, right after Halloween, we're going to finish this series and we're going to unpack how do you deal with critical people, people who always go negative and people who can pick you apart over everything. The way you talk, the way you walk, the decisions you make. Those of you here today, or who are watching online, who kinda lean critical, you've already found 35 reasons why you don't like the service so far. We're gonna talk about you in week four, so stick around, you might learn something about yourself. Okay. Now as we start this series, there is one thing that I want us all to embrace and take ownership of. What we all need to acknowledge this morning is that at one time or another, all of us, yes, all of us, we can be relational vampires. So in this series, we're not only going to talk about how to love and relate with and minister to people who are relational vampires, but we're also going to unpack how to notice and correct ourselves when we're the ones who are being the relational vampires with other people. And the good news for all of us this morning is this, that God loves all people, even relational vampires. And in his word, he shows us that we should love these people, and we should care for these people. And so today, we're going to jump right into this series, and we're going to get this party started By talking about the super needy people in our lives. Now, oftentimes when we think of somebody who is in need, our mind immediately goes to the people who are in financial need, right? Especially in in like, you know, our society today where we have like a struggling economy. We all know people who are out of work. We all know people in our lives who are struggling just to make ends meet. And unquestionably, when we talk about needy people, that's a big part of it. It is. I mean, that's why we have our Life Essentials Ministry, right, Zahira? That's why we have a ministry like that where we provide food and clothing to people in need in our community. It's also why we have our 1 in 100 ministry fund to help church families who might experience a crisis. And many of you, I want to point out, give monthly to both of those funds. You go online and you hit the tab for giving and you give $20 a month to Life Essentials and $20 a month to 1 in 100 fund. And and that's awesome. And I praise God for you guys who do that. You do it above and beyond your normal giving. And that's awesome that you do that because it really makes a difference in people's lives. But today I want to expand on the topic of need, beyond that financial giving. And I want to talk a little bit about the dark side of this. I want to talk about the relational vampires in our lives who are emotionally very, very needy. Some of you, you may have someone in your life, and it seems like they always have drama. There's just always drama going on. The world is always against them. They're always on TikTok or on Facebook with a post about how it's everyone else's fault and they're always a victim and they always need to share about their problem. And if you don't answer immediately, then they get upset. If you don't respond back to them when they write you or whatever, and then they leave you a five-minute voice message, they're just needy people. And it's the world is falling apart, and I'm in trouble again, and I don't know what to do, and you gotta help me. Some of you are getting tense right now as I describe this because you know that person. You're thinking of someone right now. In fact, if you know somebody like that in your life, would you just raise your hand right now? Look, like, just stop for a second, look around the room. Keep your hand up in the air. Look around the room. Almost every single hand in the room. In fact, keep your hand up in the air right now. Hold them up so everyone can see. Keep your hand in the air if they're sitting next to you right now. No, I'm just, I'm just playing. Just, just, playing. So we can avoid them, okay? No, just, just kidding. Don't do that. Don't point anybody out. But here, here's what I really want you to do. If you're sitting by somebody this morning who is not super needy, in fact, you're sitting next to someone who actually makes your life better. Would you just tap them on the shoulder this morning and just give them a big smile and just look at them and say, you complete me. Will you just do that? Say, you complete me. Awesome. And if you're here today and you're single, you're welcome. Okay? You're welcome. Looking out for our single people this morning. Pastor, I don't know how to talk to women. You complete me. It worked for Jerry Maguire. It could work for you. 30 seconds of courage could change your life. Now that you guys did that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the person on the other side of you who you didn't like as much, and I want you to look at them and say, you deplete me. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Joking. But the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is that sometimes when we come across people who are in need, if we don't minister to them in appropriate ways, in healthy ways, we can wind up hurting ourselves, and we wind up feeling depleted and drained, and emotionally, and physically, and mentally exhausted. And and so what we want to do as decent people, and for those of you here this morning watching online who consider yourselves to be followers of Jesus, is what we want to do is we really genuinely want to help people. We want to help people in need. Why? Because loved people love people. We believe that. We believe that loved people love people. We want to help. The problem is If we don't help people in the right way, we can actually end up hurting them, enabling bad behaviors, and if we're not careful, hurting ourselves as well. And so today, I want to talk about how do we really help needy people in healthy ways, in ways that truly are beneficial. And so to do that today, we're going to unpack a couple definitions that will help us out. So let's start by talking about the difference between two words, relief and restoration. Relief and restoration. A lot of people in need have a desire for relief. They want relief. And what is relief? If you're taking notes, here's a definition. We'll throw it up there. This is what relief is. Relief is immediate and temporary assistance. Relief is immediate and temporary assistance. When someone is facing a tragedy, when someone is facing an unexpected loss, they need relief. And, and the people of this nation, the people in this church, I mean, we are are pretty good at offering relief. This is a tornado You know, plows through a neighborhood and we're like on it. We're collecting food and clothing. We might send a team in there to help rebuild some houses. That's relief. A person in our church comes down with a serious illness or, you know, a family has a new baby and we're delivering meals for the week. Like Miss Jean is on it and she's putting together a list and, and people are going and they're bringing meals to that family. You know, a terrorist attack. Happens in Israel, like happened last week, and we're, we're packing crisis care kits. War breaks out in Ukraine. We're packing crisis care kits. We're sending them out. Someone loses a job, we collect some money through our 1 in 100 fund, and we're, we're helping to cover a mortgage payment or a utility bill to help them get by until they can get that next job. Or gathering some groceries and delivering some groceries and filling a refrigerator. But it's short-term. We, we rally to meet a need, and we're pretty good at that. That's relief. That's temporary assistance in a crisis or a tragedy. But there's a second type of help, and by nature, we are not quite as good at this. And if you're taking notes, what I'm talking about is I'm talking about this second word, and this word is restoration. And restoration is not temporary, it's not immediate, Restoration is really an ongoing process. So what is restoration? Here's the definition. Restoration is working with people to restore them to their God-given potential. It's working with people to restore them to their God-given potential. This isn't doing something for them. It's working with them to restore them to their God-given potential. And the reason we're not as good at it is because honestly, This takes a lot more time and this takes a lot more effort. This isn't, I'm going to take a week of vacation and go on a mission trip and help put a roof on a house. This takes perhaps months or years of working with someone, standing beside someone who has an addiction and they're hooked. And you hang in there with them, and you help them get into rehab, and you help them with accountability. And for three months, they're clean, and then they fall off the wagon, and you help pick up the pieces, and you provide some tough love. And you kick them in the rear end when they need that, and and you work with them again and again and again. And after a long time, through seasons of ups and downs and, and tears and celebrations, finally, by the power of God, they become restored. This is the chronically insecure person in your life who's always going around saying, somebody meet my needs. Will you love me? Will you value me? Will you make me feel special? I need to be in a relationship or I don't feel special. If I'm not in a relationship, then I'm nothing. Why can't I find the right guy? Why can't I find the right girl? And you take them and you start to mentor them and teach them and you open up God's word and you try to show them who they are, who their identity is in Jesus Christ. And you help them get connected in church community. And over time, you mentor them to where their security and their value and their self-worth doesn't come from the opinions of other people, but instead it comes from God and how God views them. And you help restore them to their God-given potential. This is the person who never has any money, they're always broke, but you don't throw $500 at them to solve the problem, that's relief. They don't need relief, they need restoration because if you gave them $500 because of their patterns, because of the way they deal with money, within a few days or a few weeks, they're just gonna be broke again and in maybe worse financial trouble because that's not gonna help solve the problem. They need to learn how to put a budget together They need to learn how to have greater margin in their finances. And and they may have spent years getting into the financial hole that they've gotten into. And it might take years of you walking alongside them to help them get out of it. But you work with them. And you start teaching them a new way to think about handling money. That debt is stupid and bad. That they shouldn't be paying the minimum payment on their credit cards. And one day... Finally, they're debt-free and they're generous. And God has used you not for relief but for restoration. See, the challenge is, by nature, most of us, we want to offer relief when a lot of times the thing we need to be doing is standing beside someone and offering restoration. And so today I want to share with you a great story from Scripture And also look at three specific prayers that we can pray in our lives to become a restorer for people around us to help bring needy people back to their God-given potential. Does that sound good this morning? All right, let's do it. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels, and then Acts chapter 3. Verse 1 is where we're going to dive in today. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. And here's what scripture says It says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And I I love how specific. The Bible is here. It's giving such great detail of this account because this is a real account that really happened in history at a real place. Those of you who are planning on going um, on our Israel trip in 2024, um, when you go to Jerusalem, you will walk there. You will see the gate called Beautiful. And at this gate was this guy who for his entire life, he was disabled. He was born that way. And so here we see a guy that was in significant need his whole life. And for his whole life, what people offered him was relief. Somebody carried him each morning and dropped him off at the gate. Relief. He begged and people gave him money. Relief. And then someone picked him up and carried him home so he could go to bed. Relief. And this guy was smart because there were three common places to beg where you had a better chance of getting money at this time in history. The three most popular places. The first one was this, the South Portland Mall. No, that's our time in history. Sorry, my my bad. In in Jesus' time, the first place is what they would call the highways. The highways. A place where there was a lot of foot traffic and people walking. Number two was in front of the homes of wealthy people. They would go sit outside of the homes of the wealthier people because they thought wealthy people might give more. But the most lucrative place to beg was in front of the temple. Because this is where everybody would go to get right with God. They would go to the temple. And let's call it the way it was. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time, they loved to give publicly to show how holy they were. So they would say, I just gave $5. You only gave $1. I gave the guy $5. I'm holier than you. And so this guy knew that more likely than not, people would meet his needs at this location. Verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for what, church? Money, which most people would think was his greatest need. I mean, he was disabled. He couldn't hold down work. He needed money to survive. He needed money to eat. That was certainly a big need. But look at Peter and John's response, continuing in verse 4 in that passage. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And what was he expecting, church? Money, right? Obviously, that's what he had been getting his entire life. He always got stuff from people. He always got relief. He always got what he wanted to meet his immediate needs. He wanted money. People gave money, especially when somebody said, look at me. He usually was going to get something from them. They gave him relief. But then Peter changes things up in verse 6. Check it out. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by his right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Classic example of not giving someone a hand out, but instead giving them a hand up. And guess what? They helped bring restoration into this man's life. They said, stand up. You believe God can do this. Take a step of faith. And when they worked with him, God restored him. See, the problem for us is we typically don't work with people. We work for people because we wrongly believe that we are the necessary ingredient for them to get better. And so we wind up placing ourselves in their lives as their functional savior. You need me to save you. I have the answers for you. I am the solution for you. And then when we can't help them, we feel guilty about it. Why? Because it was up to us to save them and to rescue them. That's why what I want to do today is I want to talk about three prayers of a restorer. Because when we actually start to pray, instead of just try to solve everybody's problems, it puts us in our rightful place. That we're not the one who restores, that God is the one who restores. And that we need his wisdom and we need his help or we're going to end up trying to help people in a way that actually harms them and in the end hurts us as well. And we don't want to do that anymore. We want to do it God's way. So these are three prayers of Restore. If you're taking notes, you can jot these down this morning. Number one, prayer number one is this. God, help me give people what they truly need, not just what they want. Would you guys say that with me this morning? Can we say that on the count of three? One, two, three. God, help me give people what they truly, not just what they, that's right. This is what, this is what, Peter did, the the lame guy, the lame guy said, hey, I I want money. He said, I'm not going to give you money. I have something better. In the name of Jesus, walk. Here's the key. People are going to tell you what they think they need and what they think they want. You're going to have to pray to God for his wisdom and clarity to go beyond their words and what they say to discernment about what is real and what is the true specific need. For example, someone might say to you, I need money from you. And God might show you very clearly, no, they need a job. That's what they need. And, and we're talking about a real job, like 40 hours or more a week job. And if you just give them money, they're going to stay on your couch because you offered relief when what they really needed was restoration. All right, I I don't mean to be harsh this morning. You guys are kind of quiet. Um, This is some good heavily medicated preaching this morning. So a little bit of response here, okay? Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me this morning? Okay. Your teenager says to you, mom and dad, I need $600 so I can make Uh, a new car payment. No, actually, child, you don't need a new car. You maybe need a decent used car so you can get to work. Don't put yourself in bondage for something you can't afford and get into some crazy kind of debt. I'm not going to support something that's going to hurt you in the long run in your life. I just need you to make me feel special. You're the only one who can make me feel special. You know, nobody listens to me like you do. You didn't text me back in the last five minutes. I'm devastated. Why aren't you responding to my text messages? Why didn't you call me today? I really need to talk to you. I can't make it through life without you. No, I can't meet that need. Only Jesus can meet that need. I want to love you, but I'm going to need to set some boundaries We can talk on the phone for 10 minutes a couple times a week, max. I will not respond to every text message and every email that you send me. I'm going to direct you to church and to a community group where you can connect with some other people as well. And maybe recommend that you go to get some counseling. See, there will be times where we're going to be tempted to just give in and just give people what they say they want. No, don't do it pray, God, help me see past what they say they need and help me see what they truly need. Second thing, and I believe for many of you this could be life-changing, as God uses you to love others who are in need, this is a powerful prayer. Prayer number two is this, God, help me to not continually rescue people from their consequences. God, help me to not continually rescue people from their consequences. How how many of you know that God has set up a system, a biblical principle? We reap what we sow. Do you know that? That's a biblical principle. It's true. There are consequences for our actions in life. In Galatians 6, verse 7, it clearly says in Scripture this: it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked, for a man reaps what he sows. God has designed a system that, like Taylor Swift said, when you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. That's a biblical principle. You reap what you sow. And it's there so you can learn to make wiser choices in life. But so often, especially with people we love and care about, we want to rescue them from their stupid decisions. And we wind up getting in God's way from teaching them a valuable lesson in life. For example, I have five children, and I believe one of the biggest parenting mistakes we can make is to continually rescue our kids over and over and over again from the consequences of their actions. Yeah, we love our kids. Yeah, we may occasionally rescue them from a situation, but if we are over and over and over again rescuing them from consequences of their actions, it is a problem. And and this pattern with some parents starts when they're young. I mean, I did an internet search and I found all these products online that are just insane. And they're all about how to protect your kids. I just want to show you a couple of them this morning because I think they're ridiculously funny and really appropriate for the season. Okay. Are you worried about your baby crawling around on the ground and getting sick or getting COVID? Well, you can protect them with this. It also doubles as a Halloween costume depicting the first alien movie with Sigourney Weaver, okay? Worried that your baby rolls in their sleep and you can't always have your hands to hold them? Well, just use this. Your baby won't roll over ever again. They will require counseling for years to come. Worried about your baby dropping their pacifier and getting some germs on it? Then just buy this. Strap it to their face. They actually have a Halloween version, too. You can have little baby Hannibal Lecter going around. Speaking of prison, does your baby crawl out of the crib all the time? Just buy this. Just jail them in there. At our house with five kids, um, we couldn't afford to buy the baby prison. So, you know, my wife's really handy. Um, Julie just made a homemade version. Here it is. telling you guys it worked like crazy but it's why all my kids have a twitch when they walk around if you watch them but what happens over and over and over again kids make a bad choice and what do we do parents oh you didn't you didn't do your science fair project it's due tomorrow well come on over here I'll do it for you tonight oh you're in trouble because you did something at school well I'll go down there and I'll yell at that principal we're not going to let our little baby get in trouble Oh, you broke your iPhone 15 for the third time? Poor baby, we'll just buy you another one because you're 10 and we'd hate to commit child abuse by not giving you a new iPhone. Stop it. Consequences, consequences, consequences. They teach lessons in life. Okay, I love you, but you're 46 years old. You can't stay on my sofa anymore. I'll teach you how to fold your underwear and do your laundry and cook dinner, but it's time for you to grow up, get a job, and move out. It's like the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. It's incredible what the the loving father didn't do in that story. For some of you, maybe that should be your homework assignment this week, to read through the story of the prodigal son and look at what the loving father didn't do. The son said, "I want a party," for those of you who might not remember the story. He said, "I want a party. Dad, I wish you were dead so I could have my inheritance right now. Give me my cash." And the father did it. He gave him his money. And the son went out sleeping around, smoking weed, having a good time. One day he wakes up and he's broke, and he's lying in a pig pen, and his life literally stinks. Literally stinks. Guess what the dad didn't do? The dad didn't come and rescue him out of the pig pen. He loved him enough to allow him to stay in the pig pen. Why? Because the Bible teaches that the son then came to his senses and realized, I'd rather be even a servant in my dad's house than be sitting in this pig pen where I'm at. Sometimes we need to to think and realize, because I love you, I'm not going to rescue you. Because I love you so much, I'm not going to interfere with God's given consequences that you're facing. Instead, I'm going to allow God to help you come to your senses. And, And I know that sounds harsh, But child, I'd rather you fail your sixth grade history test that you didn't study for because you were too busy playing video games over the weekend and come to your senses and develop some better study habits so in high school and college you'll succeed than for me to rescue you right now and let you stay home and pretend like you're sick and see you get kicked out of college and screw up your life later. And this is hard to do especially with people we love. But church, I'm telling you, it's one of the best things you could do in someone's life. Several years ago, my wife and I, we took someone into our home who was in the midst of a serious um, drug addiction, heroin addiction. And it was difficult, it was very difficult to watch someone who we cared about. This was someone who we had had in our small group in, in student ministry, and we really cared about this person. It broke our heart to watch them, even in our home, make destructive decision after destructive decision after destructive decision, sneaking out at night, all of these kinds of things. Finally, the people in her life who loved her decided we were going to no longer enable her to make poor decisions. And together, her parents, us, other small group leaders, we said, we love you, we'll always love you, but if this is the road you're choosing in life, We are not going to support you financially. We are not going to support you with a roof over your head. And it wasn't until she hit rock bottom that she finally saw the light, and she called in the middle of the night, and she said, I want to go into rehab. Can you help me? And even then, we met her at a Panera Bread. We opened up a phone book, and we said, if you really want to do this, you're making the call. And she made the phone call. And she wanted it. And she got checked in to rehab. Because when she hit rock bottom, there was only one place for her to look. And where was that? Up. That's right. And we loved her enough to allow her to face the consequences even though it broke our heart and God was able to get to her. So prayer number one. And by the way, she's married with children and doing great in life 10 years later now. Prayer number one and let me just repeat it so, so it'll be in our souls. Number one, God, help me to give people what they truly need, not what they want. Prayer number two, God, help me to not continually rescue people from their consequences. Last one we're going to look at this morning. Prayer number three, God, help me to remember that I'm in need to. God, help me to remember that I'm in need to. And, and this is the key to the whole thing. You really want to help people who are in need? Then you need to recognize that you're in need too. King David said this in Psalm 70, verse 5. Last verse we're going to look at as the worship team comes up here. Psalm 70, verse 5, he said this. But as for me, I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. Lord, do not delay. You see, when we can realize that we're in need too, then we'll remember that we are not the Savior, that Jesus is. And when you remember that, you'll stop trying to become the functional Savior of other people, and you'll start pointing people to their real Savior, who's Jesus. See, if, if you think God needs you to meet everyone's needs, then I have news for you. Your faith and your God is too small. Don't believe me? Try going on a mission trip in a third world country. It will change the way you think about this. Some of you are nodding right now because you've been there. You've been there. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You go and you feel good about yourself for a while. You're like, I'm the rich American here to help these poor people. Oh, this is so horrible. They're so poor. There's no toilet. There's no running water. It's just horrible. And for a couple days, you just hurt for them. And then something switches. And suddenly you go, wait a minute. The more I do for them, the more they're actually doing for me. The more I try to give to them, the more in some kind of crazy way I'm receiving more than I expect. And one day you wake up and go, wait a second, they're financially broke, but they have something that I don't have. And you see the strangest joy in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of poverty. You see supernatural contentment and peace while you're miserable with all of your stuff and worldly possessions. They've got nothing. You seem to have everything. And all of a sudden you realize, uh uh-oh, I'm in need too. And yes, there's stuff I can give them, but there's something they can give me too. And you realize we're both screwed up and we both need Jesus. And we're all sinners saved by the grace of God. We all need prayer in our life. We all need encouragement in our life. We all need forgiveness and support and friendship. And suddenly you're not just offering money for relief or short-term help, but you're living in biblical community and you're doing life together. And when you get there, when you get to that point, suddenly we can be restored to our God-given potential to be who Jesus created us to be. And that's the goal. We're needy too. Church, can we pray together this morning? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, I pray that your spirit would help us to love and minister to the relational vampires in our lives who are very needy. God, help us to also realize that we can be relational vampires too. As we're praying, some of you right now, you know someone who's in need. And you need help to love them in a way that will be truly helpful and not harmful. That won't harm them or you. Someone came to your mind maybe during the message today. And if that's you today, if you would say, yeah, pastor, would you pray for me as I try to love this needy person in my life? If that's you, Would you just lift up a hand right now? Just lift it up high. I've got a needy person in my life. I just need prayers. I try to love them. Praise God. Praise God. More than half the room this morning. Praise God. Thank you for your honesty, church. Love my church. So thankful that we have such transparent, real, and honest people here. God, I pray in powerful ways that you would give them wisdom and strength by the power of your spirit to know how to relate with those needy people in their lives, Lord God. There are others of you here today, and, and you might be thinking, you know what? Right now I'm the one in need. It might be a physical need, it might be a financial need, it might be a relational need, it could be a spiritual matter. But if that's you and you would say, you know, Pastor, I'm the one in need. Would you pray for me? Would you lift a hand right now if that's to you? I've got a need personally in my life right now. Praise God, praise God. Lots of folks this morning. Thank you for your courage today. Let me pray for all these needs. God, I pray, I pray for those who are ministering to others that you would give us eyes to see the real needs. Give us wisdom, God. Give us courage to to love in ways that will truly help and not harm God, for those who just raised a hand and said they're hurting right now with a need in their own life, God, I pray today that we would be connected to your body, your family, your church. I pray there would be some conversations here today that maybe they would have the courage to go up to somebody and be real and share what's going on. God, I pray that people would not be allowed to leave this building because somebody would reach out and put a hand on them, offer a hug and a prayer. You look like you're a little down. How can I help? Help us, God, to love one another, to connect with one another, and ultimately to connect each other to your son, Jesus. God, I pray we would continue to excel at offering relief in the crises and tragedies in this world. But God, I pray that as your church that we'd be a people who would also go beyond relief. That we would be a people who would help restore the broken and bring about true healing in the lives of people. God, we thank you in advance for what you're doing. As we continue to pray this morning, some of you are going to realize that your greatest need is actually spiritual. You may be like I was growing up where you believed in, in God, but you didn't know Him personally. I had a spiritual need. Some of you, you've done some wrong things in life, you've made some bad choices. Maybe now you feel extremely guilty about them. You have a spiritual need. Some of you, you you've tried your best to fill that emptiness inside of you. You tried buying things, you've tried chasing after money and pleasure and relationships and on and on but you still feel so empty inside. Why? Because you're trying to fill a God-shaped void with poor substitutions. You have a spiritual need. But guess what? I believe that's why God brought you to this service today. Because he loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus, who was without sin to pay for all of your sins, all of your wrongs on the cross so that you could have forgiveness and a real personal relationship with the God of the universe. He wants to meet your needs through his son Jesus. And so if that's you this morning, if you'd say, pastor, that's me, I know I'm in spiritual need, but today I'm ready I need God in my life in a real way. Jesus, would you save me? Would you be first in my life? If that's you today, would you just be bold enough to lift a hand right now and say, that's me. I need a personal relationship with God. I need it today. Praise God. Praise God, I see that. Is there anybody else this morning? Praise God, I see that. Anybody else? Adults, teenagers, anybody else? I believe this is the greatest decision you could ever make in your entire life and I don't want to hang on it so long but I don't want to pull back when I believe God is moving in the lives of people so I'll ask one last time is there anybody else here today who desires a personal relationship with God would you just lift up a hand right now and be bold say yeah that's me praise God I see someone else in the back let me pray for you and church can we we just pray together right now as a church let me lead you in prayer this morning for those who are ready to receive Jesus as their Savior, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. Jesus, I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again so that I could live for you. God, thank you for meeting my needs. Thank you for paying the price for all my wrongs. So I don't have to be trapped in in guilt and condemnation anymore. I've been forgiven. God, empower me now in healthy ways to be used by you to meet needs in this world and to point other people towards you. God, thank you for new life. Thank you for loving me enough to meet me where I'm at. Today, I give you my life. I love you, God. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Church, can we celebrate some decisions this morning? Praise God. Praise God. I hope that never, ever, ever gets old here in our church. Can we stand together as the worship team leads us? I love having our few students leading us in worship today. Let's stand together. Let's sing.